0: All right, welcome back in another edition of the Believe in Patriots podcast right here on the Believe Podcast Network. I am Brady Farkas, joined momentarily by CFL Hall of Famer, former Patriots quarterback, all-star of all-stars, Doug Flutie. You can follow me on Twitter at WDEV Radio. Brady, the podcast is always brought to you by our friends at BetOnline. Betonline BetOnline.ag is the place to go to place all your NFL wagers to do it safely, legally. They've got great payouts, great in-game betting. I already like the Giants, who are minus three at home against the Washington football team. They've got to win one at some point, and the offense looked better against Dallas. So head online to betonline.ag. Coaching bets, prop bets, in-game betting. They've got everything for you. betonline.ag. Giants minus three. There's free money for you. Now, Aaron, let's get to the podcast. What you're about to hear is a presentation of the Believe in Patriots podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. All the news, opinions, and insights on your six-time Super Bowl champion, New England Patriots. Now, it's your host, me, Brady Farkas, and Heisman Trophy winner, CFL Hall of Famer, and former Patriots quarterback, Doug Flutie. All right, welcome back in Believe in Patriots podcast. As always, Doug Flutie joining me as well. Aaron Wells pressing the buttons behind the scenes. Doug, it's taken a while. We're finally going to get some Patriots football coming up here, though. They're finally going to play Denver next week. You, you really think they're going to play? <laughs> I don't know. I, it just, I, it's amazing I'm, to me. I'm uh, hopeful that they're going to play, but you know, the podcast is going a little bit differently this week. We've already previewed um, the Denver game in a way, so we'll do that a little bit here in the second podcast of the week. But before we really get into any of it, Doug, we've got an anniversary to celebrate this week. It was 29 years ago this week that you threw for 582 yards in a game for the British Columbia Alliance and broke Warren Moon's CFL single-season passing record at the time.
1: (laughs) Good. You know it better than I do. But Now that you mentioned that, I remember the game. I think it was even an overtime game. Yes, you uh, lost by seven. Sorry, the Cowboys, the, Oh, that was a different one. But yes, I remember the game.
0: When um, you throw for 582 yards, how do you feel after that game? Like my arm would
1: be hanging. Like you wonder how you didn't score a thousand points. That's the thing. <laughs> it's like everything, when, when those type of days are happening, you know, when you have 400 plus days or 500 yard days, it just feels like guys are, it feels like practice. You're dropping back and throwing back. <laughs> but what happens is, sometimes you're behind and chasing and so you're forcing the issue and you you throw a pick or two or guys there's fumble we had a day against Penn State where we threw for 520 yards and three quarters <laughs> 600 yards for the game and we only scored 17 points because we had five fumbles. Oh, so- yeah. The reason you throw for those kind of yards is you get behind and you just throw from beginning to end and just keep racking up the yards. How do you recover from that game? Like I'm picturing myself baseball
0: game, 100 pitches, I I got ice on the elbow, ice on the shoulders. Like how do you recover as a quarterback
1: from you know yards? There's no pitch count in football. It's yeah. like the old days of training camp, we'd eat weeks of doubles and six preseason games yeah. and you were throwing I don't know, God knows how many balls a day, twice a day for eight weeks. And there was you no, know, you know, you ice down. you. As you got to be a veteran, you realize to milk it a little bit and not throw hard all the time. But you don't feel that way. It's, there's never an, an arm worry day where, where your arm got tired. There's a physically beat up day, you know, where you need that rest afterwards and recover. Uh, and you'd like that Monday, Tuesday off. Is the CFL more fun
0: than the oh. NFL, like in picture, like I just picture backyard football and we're just gonna-
1: so many ways. It's, it's, <laughs> more fun. it's like, for, first of all, the game, three down football instead of four down football, yeah. you stay more aggressive. If you play scared, you're going to be punting all day long. You got to be aggressive. You got to make something out of nothing. When it's not there, you're going to be punting. And so it was always an aggressive mentality during a game. But even on the day-to-day basis, the CFL was originally set up as a part-time job and guys would come after work and it would be like five o'clock at night till nine or 10 or whatever it was. So in collective bargaining, they kept a four and a half hour window. You couldn't keep the team for more than four and a half hours. So now the coaches go in in the morning, game planning, players don't show up till one o'clock. They go from one to five 30 and they're done. So, you know, if you were a marquee kind of guy that was making good money, the the hours were easy. Guys that were party animals as kids sleep in and still yeah. make it to practice on time. As a quarterback, I still went in in the morning and helped game plan, all, but there was no stress to that. It was fun. It really it, – it's geared to it, – it was a fun league. It, I, that's all well, I can say.
0: You're a Hall of Famer, ranked as the best CFL player of all time. Um, I also got to tell you that – I've got like a cult small group of people I've worked with that grew up around you in Massachusetts that have told me, oh, yeah, Flutie, he took us to task in this sport. He took us to task in that sport. I got people telling me I went to Milton High School in Mass and Flutie used to throw all over us.
1: We um, I was a three sport athlete in high school. I continued even after I was playing like I was 43 years old in New England playing with Brady, blah, 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 blah. And I'm looking at the clock on Mondays because we're watching film. And trying to get home so I can go play my adult league baseball game at, at 9 o'clock you know, or 8 o'clock. <laughs> that's just who I am. I actually I tweaked my knee this week because I was playing goaltender in an ice hockey league here in oh Florida. Oh, my God. Unbelievable. I just, you know, just enjoyed that. That's me. I'm looking for the next activity.
0: Before we really get into it, last week we – I guess nicely and politely crushed Brian Hoyer for not knowing red zone offensive basics as a quarterback. And then Tom Brady comes out three days later Uh, and forgets what down it is. What is going on? Evidently quarterbacks harder to play than I think it is.
1: You know, you, you know how that happens is, well, this right away, my explanation for it is Tom's in a new system. Not that he's overwhelmed in any way, but he's thinking a little bit. If he's in new England, He's not even thinking about the play call, the formation. That's all just so instinctive. There's no. Tr- he's he's always going to be thinking more situationally, and the play is very a matter of fact. Here in Tampa now, it's new, so he's listening to play, getting the play call, trying to execute a play and run a play. And also, you're used to your offensive coordinator in your ear telling you, "Okay, third and six. Okay, fourth and five. Let's go. Let's make this happen. Fourth and five. Think, check down. Think this, and." Maybe that wasn't I don't I don't know what the conversation was in the headset, but coaches, especially in crucial situations, will remind you, remind you of the clock, remind you of of the play without that in your head, without that radio. And when I played in Canada, I called all my own plays. As soon as a play ends, I'm looking at the down and distance. I'm looking at the play clock. I'm looking at the game clock. I'm look and I'm taking all that information in. You get in the NFL. You're not always doing that because you're being told the information. As soon as a play ends, you're being talked to. And a lot. Of, and I can see that stuff happening if the offensive coordinator or play caller in your headset is not constantly reminding you.
0: When you spike a ball, and I think Brady did spike the ball on that first down play, when you spike a ball, does that screw with you because you're yes. thinking – Okay, because that's what happened. Did he, spiked, did he spike on first down? I think he spiked on first down if I'm remembering correctly. <laughs> And then he he was thinking that what was really fourth down in his mind he was thinking was third down, which is why he took the so shot that, down the field.
1: That that situation has happened in numerous quarterbacks. The okay, spike on first down, and then and then all of a sudden you think it's only third down, and it's actually fourth. That's happened a lot, and that's a it's weird. It's a feeling because I've had it, and you realize all of a sudden it's fourth down. Um, but I I didn't remember a spike play on that. I remember the comeback. I remember the short throw and the seam route. And I maybe don't remember. You're, maybe you're right. Now I'll
0: have to go and check myself. I, the broadcast was talking about the spike and Aikman was talking about the
1: spike. Yeah, he was. In a spike situation, that definitely happens. I really don't think that happened in this situation. Okay. The first down he had a comeback that I thought Tommy should have hit and it, the ball fell short and it went incomplete. But um, – there was a ball on the sideline, they got incomplete. And then the seam route, I remember. And maybe the check down went incomplete too. I'm not sure. Well, now we're, Aaron,
0: behind the scenes, let us get find the play summary from that Brady. You know, I'm not going to lie to you. It was 11-15 yeah. on
1: Retail Thursday have, night. we have to redo this section. Yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, we'll leave it in. It's more fun that way. So yes. Aaron, find out what's, what's going on. I'm I'm not going to lie to you that watching Nick Foles play at 1130 on Thursday does not necessarily keep my interest at the level that it needs to, to to know that Brady, whether he spiked it or not. So, Uh um, you know, usually at this time we come in, we react to a Patriots game. We do our overall takeaways. We're going to do our overall takeaways again, but I've got some very specific questions for Doug. So Aaron, let's get me the, uh, the overall takeaway sounder here. So we can get some questions for Doug
1: overall takeaways. Number
0: 1. Okay, Doug. My question for you is this. I have felt this way from the start that the NFL was being too arrogant in how they handled the coronavirus. It just has felt that way from how they went through with free agency with no problem, to how they went through the draft with no problem, to no bubble concepts, etc. And it would all provided a welcome relief for fans. But why did the NFL not build into the schedule an extra bye week. Why not push back the Super Bowl? Because you have dealt with a massive amount of schedule flux already, and we're not even at like traditional flu season yet, which is the
1: part I was already going to be worried about. Yeah, um, I think they went into it uh, hoping that each team that honestly hoping that things would be curved by now and that the spread would be minimized. Um, and it in in that element. The one area that is, has improved is the way they treat this. So guys yeah. are getting sick, but they're back in a hurry. Guys are getting healthy in a hurry. And, you know, it's not it's not the death sentence people thought it was right. and all that. So that aspect of it, um, guys are coming back around. So, you know, in hindsight, yeah, maybe they should have built a bi- an extra bye bi- week somewhere. Um, they can – They got some wiggle room. They could push back playoffs. They could push – Super Bowl is tough to push back, but you got the extra week in there. Um, If you cancel a game, if it came to this at the end, you could cancel a non-conference game and make up the conference games would be the best way to do that.
0: Was the NFL always this arrogant, or is this a recent phenomenon? Because like I, I always thought okay, ba- baseball was the American pastime. The NFL was was behind baseball. Somewhere in the two thousands, that flip when you played was the NFL. Did it feel like the NFL was maybe arrogance too strong? But did it feel like the NFL knew it was on top?
1: Oh, they definitely know they're on top, and they're they're the number one draw, and it's it's America's sport. There's no doubt. Yeah. Um, I don't know that it was arrogance in the way they approached this schedule. I think they just approached the schedule thinking we're going to get through this. It's going to be under control. And uh, shoot, they may have even thought we had a vaccine by now. Um, so all those things may have played into the early part of it. Um, basketball made it through without without major issue. Hockey made it through without major issue on the bubble. You know, running running it as in in the bubble situation. Um, baseball had their their hiccups. And yep. they assumed that, you know, it, it really comes down to the behavior of the players. I, they they need, you know, I, you find out later, like I, I cover Notre Dame very closely. Yep. And Notre Dame had a major outbreak. They right. had to postpone a game. They happened to have a bye week after they had a two-week window, came back and played this past week, played well. And they ended up with only two guys. They had 39 positives at one point. They came back and only had two, so it's it's the behavior of the people. People start to get comfortable with this, and go back to your normal behaviors of being in close contact with people. And on a college campus, the kids are going to be interacting left and right. A lot of the guys that are playing in the NFL are young. They're still going to yeah. want to go out the bars, hang out, drink, and part. not. Nah party party but hang out with the guys right and that's when these things get spread so it's got to be a total discipline and commitment to it the hockey and basketball guys committed to the cause went to a bubble for months at a time and were locked in
0: i'm a proponent of not the 32 team bubble like we saw in the nba where the whole league's there but i am a proponent of the Team specific bubble, like kind of like a training camp thing. Mm -hmm. But you, a quarterback, a guy who played in the league as a veteran who had a family, what would it take for you? Like a 21 year old guy who is a sixth round pick who needs the money and doesn't have a family, that guy's easily in the bubble. But you,
1: veteran with a family, how hard is that? That's hard. It really is. And guys, you know, guys did it in the NBA. um, But that you're, you're talking going to training camp and going through an entire season and a full regular eighteen week season. You know, they yeah. basketball and baseball they all condensed as much as possible. Um, that's it's it's hard. You got you got kids going to school, and that's the aspect that the average fan doesn't realize. They don't realize that your father and you're seeing your kids off to school, and you're seeing your wife at only at night when you get home anyway. And you're doing it like it's it is a full time job. And for a quarterback, it's a 12 to 14 hour job per day. It is. And that's just the way it is Um, that that there's a regular life that goes on as well with these guys. It's not just about the fan. You know, it's not about it's there. This is a job for them. They're working their tail off. For some reason, there is a passion in pro athletes towards their job. Yeah. That a lot of people in other areas, you know, the, the guy working at the local grocery store doesn't have that passion about his job. But um, you know, also there's not millions of people behind them, and depending on he's not making the money that that the professional athlete's making. But um, you know, that's that's it's a tricky thing. And you'd have to be able to see your family in some respect, maybe nothing outside of that, even if like in the old days in training camp, I'm talking and I'm going a little long here, but in the old days of training camp, when I went to training camp, I saw my wife Sunday afternoon Yeah, because it was double sessions all week long. Sunday morning was a scrimmage, and you had half an afternoon off, and you'd go to dinner and get back for, for meetings that night. So it favorite- had to be set up.
0: It's interesting you brought up the money because I think fans are conditioned to just think that money buys off all of these other problems. Like, oh, he's not going to see his wife for four months. That's ah, so what? He's making twelve million. Everyone will be happy. I don't I have learned as I've gotten older that money doesn't just cure all of these other you know, all of these other things in your life.
1: And you've got to be there. And I think a good example of all that is Tom Brady. Yeah. Tom right. later in his career here. You know, the family becomes a a little more important and maybe and I'm not saying he's slighting his job at all. I love Tom and he's all in. But there comes a point where you bet when you're young, you live it so much. You're there all night. You're there with the coaches game plan until late. It didn't matter for me. It was in Buffalo. Uh, Our son had just got diagnosed with autism and my wife stayed in Boston with Dougie. Mm -hmm. And so I was by myself. I had nothing else to do. I lived at the facility. I was there till late at night, early in the morning with the coat, doing all that. So that stuff starts to change as your career goes.
0: Continuing on here uh, with Doug Flutie, Believe in Patriots podcast. Aaron, give me the number two sounder because I got another takeaway I want to ask Doug about. Number two. So the Patriots lose their actual bye week, right? Like they were supposed to be off this upcoming week in week six. Instead, they're off in week five, a week in which they did a lot of preparation for Denver. What's, I mean, what is a typical bye week like? I guess take the fans through what a typical bye week is like normally.
1: Typically a bye week, uh, you play a game on Sunday. Monday, you come in and watch the film and all that. You might get that Monday off. Tuesday's a regular day off. And then you go Wednesday, Thursday, say Friday, light practices, kind of put some game plan things in for the following week and give yourself another weekend. Guys rest up. They, they That first week is low intensity as far as the physical aspect of it. You're hoping to get over some injuries. Um, guys will get a little three-day window on one of the weekends there where they might do something just to get away from it all for a second. Um, but it basically is more important than anything. It is a week where guys can have a two-week window to get re-healthy again. Because once you get nicked up in, a, in an NFL season, it's rare to become 100% again uh, down the line. It's right. tough to recover from an injury. So if you get a bye week where you get a two-week window, you might recover from a bad ankle sprain, from a bad strain of some kind, and get back to full, sp- full speed again. Um, if you are practicing full speed and you think you're playing a game, you don't get that mental rest either. Yeah. That that mental, you know, they they were getting ready for Denver. There's no mental deep breath and relaxation, you know, where you're not taking it serious. You're still taking it serious now for 18 straight weeks. So these guys, you know, because the world is so atypical, I
0: don't think that these guys are missing out on some great bi week plans by having their bye week switch, but they are getting their yeah. bi week, a week earlier in the season. What's it like having an early buy in the season versus a late buy? When would you rather have your buy?
1: Well, I think the perfect time would be in the middle of the season. Yeah. Or after a losing streak. (laughs) You know, you you want to recoil and get something going. Um, But you'd like it mid, mid to late because of injury situations. I think you want it mid to later in the season so that you can get healthy at the end of the year and make that playoff run and, and maybe get a little d- deeper. You don't really need the mental break at week five. You need the mental break at week 14, 13, 12, somewhere in there yeah. Yeah. Um, where you know it's just becoming a grind mentally. Uh, you have no control of that. You never have. So guys don't complain about it. Guys aren't going to whine over you know when their bye week was. It just sometimes when you get those major injury, uh, you know, to a very important player or two, and that bye week happens to be there, the coaches are saying, "Hey, thank goodness we have the bye week." You know, it timed out. We got lucky.
0: When you get the schedule, the first thing you look at is it looking to see when the bye week is.
1: Um. Yeah, because that's the only real variable. Yeah. You true. Know? You're playing. You're playing the teams you're going to play. You play your division twice. You're going to play once at our place, once at their place. Maybe you check and see: do we play Buffalo in November, December, or do yeah. we play Buffalo early? You know, or are we in Miami in the heat, or are we getting there a little later in the year and get a little break? Something like that. Other than that, you're playing who you're going to play. And to be honest, there's. N- it's one game at a time. You're looking at this week's game as a player. The coaches can look down the road, and the coaches can game plan during the offseason for certain teams. Yeah, You are one day at a time, one practice at a time, one play, and that's that's how a player's mental makeup is. Before we get to what people are saying about
0: the Patriots, Aaron, I'm going to bring you in, our producer, Aaron Wells. You've got the answer, I think, after all this time. Who was right, me or Doug? Did Tom Brady spike the ball on first down against Tampa Bay, or against Chicago rather. Turn your mic on, Aaron. There we go.
1: Against the Bears, uh, Tom Brady completed a pass for a first down and then incomplete, short completion, incomplete short, incomplete short middle. So yeah. oh. no spike, was not a spike. The first incompletion was an incompletion. Down the right side. Nope. A intended for Mike Evans. Completion yeah. of the right. the right And then he ran a comeback on the right side that was open, and he should have hit him, and it, he bounced it.
0: When in doubt, listen to the Heisman Trophy winner about football. <laughs> that's the, that's the so lesson. So that
1: makes it even
0: – you know
1: what? God. That makes it even more frustrating. It's frustrating for me to see that happen to Tom in that situation, to see him walk away because he actually had a guy on a check down area where he probably could have turned it up and gotten the first down on the fourth down play.
0: All right, Aaron, let's get to what people are saying about the Patriots. I got a couple interesting ones here.
1: Sometimes people say stupid things. I said, how do I want Patriot games to go? For Cam to play great and they to lose in heartbreak. Check and check. Everything came up, Nick, right this weekend. Sometimes people say smart things. But it works. I thought Cam was accurate. I thought he made really good decisions.
0: They played to his strengths. Locally, regionally, nationally. Here's what they're saying about your New England Patriots. All right, I'm going to preface this audio clip by telling that Doug that neither one of us are going to know the answer to this because we're not in the locker room. I just want you to hear it. So Tom Curran and Phil Perry of NBC Sports Boston actually think that the Patriots may have pulled the plug on the game against Denver for Week 5 and not the NFL. Listen to what they said. I want your reaction to it after.
1: Phil, I think as you pointed out, the timeline that existed between Adam
0: Schefter saying the NFL is going to press on with this game And then the news coming that the game had been postponed
1: indicates to me that the Patriots said, no, we're not doing anything. And we are galvanized and unified on this from the very top down to the players as to how we're going to proceed. Yeah, and I think we got a good sense of how the players felt when we heard from Jason McCourty. And you had reported last week that there was irritation within the team towards the league in terms of their handling of this. So
0: neither one of us actually know if the Patriots themselves pulled the plug. We're not in the locker room. We're not talking to sources. At least I'm not all the time about what's going on in Foxborough. Do you at least believe there's a chance that an NFL team told the league, we are not playing because we're not comfortable?
1: I think it's very possible in this year with this situation, with the number of players started to get COVID, seeing it escalate. Like I just said, at Notre Dame, within a week, it went to 39 players. At Notre Dame, and they canceled their Wake Forest game, Um, and you know it. It it can be that if if they have to get ready for a game and play that game and business as usual, and you have a handful of guys that have it, it can turn into twenty guys that have it like that. So, you know, all being said, I and I I honestly feel for young, healthy people, they're going to get sick and get over this within a week or whatever. You know, Donald Trump at seventy, what seventy five ish got over it within a week. it there most people most young healthy people recover quickly. Um, that's not the issue. The issue is putting yourself at risk. And if right. putting yourself at risk it becomes a health issue and it's unnecessary. it's an unnecessary risk this just postpone this game and that's the way we feel. I could see them saying that. I could see them dictating to the league on that because They've got a leg to stand on. It's their health.
0: You know, it's interesting, too, because we we always hear the NBA is a players-driven league, right? And the players almost shut down the bubble because of social justice. Baseball has a little bit of that where they did – some teams did not play games because of social justice. We always hear the NFL is a team league. It's about the shield. The players don't have the leverage like they do in the NBA. So it surprises me to hear that maybe players – had, you know, had enough power in this case to maybe force the league's hand because that's not usually the case.
1: Yeah, that, that's a good point that you make. But in, in the, when you start talking about people's health and you yeah. start talking, you know, even you know, when you start talking about the concussion stuff that went on, and, and that's when the NFL gets scared. If the, if the NFL was ever caught hiding the information from the players about concussions and all of a sudden they made the big move to, to make a difference in that area. Um, this is you're talking player health. When it comes to player health issue, um, yeah, then, you, then the leverage goes back to the player for sure.
0: So that one really surprised me. This number two, Aaron, is not, and Doug, is not a quote that I have audio of. It was just an interesting question I heard people talking about on NBC Sports Boston yesterday. So you got three quarterbacks that might become free agents at the end of the year that are all in very different places. One is Dak Prescott, who's now got the big injury. One is Cam Newton, and one is Jimmy Garoppolo, who still has a long-term contract in San Francisco, but he can be cut more easily because of the money. So Dak's injured, but he's 27, leads the league in passing this year. Cam's older, has a history of injury, but has now played well in New England, and Garoppolo's 29, has been to a Super Bowl, and has played in New England before. So, Doug, I go to you with this question. If you can get one of those three quarterbacks next year, and you're the Patriots, Dak Prescott, Cam Newton, Jimmy
1: Garoppolo, who do you want? I'd say, I'd, since Cam is where he is, if he continues to play the way he has, stick with Cam yeah. and, and try to re-sign him. Because I, I went to Buffalo at 36 years old, and they looked at me as a guy that was over the hill and done and, and all that. I played eight more years in the NFL. Yeah. You know, If you got a good four years out of Cam, four or five years, um, he's, he's not going to be able to play the game the way he's playing it right now, five years from now. As far as the physical running and all that, Um, I, I, I look at Dak's situation and I just think of Drew Brees in San Diego having a shoulder surgery, having to sell himself as a free agent to New Orleans or Miami. Miami passed on the physical and didn't sign him and went and signed Dante Culpepper instead. Drew has to go to New Orleans and make a name for himself again and boom, wins the Super Bowl. And Drew's had the career he's had. Don't give up on Dak because of an injury you know the wait and see you know you'll you'll have that you'll have the off season to figure it out and and whenever they, don't dak was playing the best football i've seen him play and uh you know he's young and he will recover from this he'll come back it might take longer than than usual but dak's still young if he wants it he'll come back but if the Patriots situation if if you have a kind of year that they could have this year with cam you resign him and you you can get a good anywhere three to five years playing the way he's playing?
0: I would go with Cam, too, simply because he's shown me that he can win with less. The other quarterbacks haven't shown me they can win with less. Dak's won with a great running back, a great offensive line, and a decent enough defense. Grappolo has won with an elite head coach, an elite play caller, a great running attack, and a great defense. Cam has gotten to the Super Bowl with receivers we'd never heard of. He's Mm -hmm. played well in New England with receivers outside of Edelman that aren't household names. And the Patriots' offense is getting older in some spots. Like James White isn't going to be here forever. and Rex Burkhead's not going to be here forever. There's going
1: to be some turnover there. Cam's the guy who's shown me he can deal with that stuff. No doubt because of the style of play. Because yeah. the, the zone read stuff, the, the movement of the pocket stuff takes some pressure off the offensive line and making them defend the quarterback as a runner creates a lot more man-to-man opportunities for the receivers and less guys can get doubled and guys are, you know, guys are good enough. If you give a, you know, a, an NFL receiver man-to-man coverage in the slot, he's going to get open on an option route. You know you're going to get your six to eight yards there. You, it's nice though to have that big time guy on the outside. That's a that's a game changer, and it'd be nice to see Harry turn into that guy. But yeah. you know, have a guy that can dominate if you're going to leave him one on one. But but like you said, Cam's proven he can win with just give me some guys, give me some guys that are solid, and we're going to do what. And that's that's part of the mobile quarterback situation, which makes Patrick Mahomes so good. Russell Wilson, so good. I mean, the ability to, to make that defense have to defend the quarterback.
0: I have a weak stomach. I don't really do injuries well. The Dak Prescott injury, I finally just saw the picture of it today at what his ankle looked like. The worst injury I've ever seen and watched live was Willis McGahee playing for Miami in that uh, championship game against Ohio State back in 2002. Did you ever go through a situation where you were a part of a game where there was a gruesome injury that happened on the field?
1: You know, I, I, I didn't see one. I haven't, i no, I've never seen a gruesome injury and I still have yet to look at Dax. I mean, I saw a blurred out replay Yeah. Had a blur and I didn't want, I, that was an accident. I didn't even want to see that. And my wife knows that I'm that way. She goes, cause I didn't see it live. She goes, you don't want to see it. You don't want to see it. And oh good. I'm not the only one. I'm yeah, not the only know, one. I, I, <laughs> Even when I was broadcasting when I'd see a guy go into a leg the wrong way and and I knew something bad was going to, I didn't want to have to look. Um, it's, it's part of the game. It's amazing to me. It doesn't happen more often. It really, you know, with the guys flying around and the collisions and the power and the strength involved, the worst thing I've seen actually was I was playing in a, this is right up my alley, playing an adult league soccer game on a wet field. A Ball was rolling in the guy, he went to just stop the ball with his shins and kind of knelt down. Another guy was going hard for the ball and slid right into his legs and just snapped his shin, and you heard oh, it break like a branch. And that was the, the worst thing I've seen in person as far as an injury, and uh, you know, similar to those drastic injuries that happen on an NFL field.
0: The weirdest thing I've ever seen on, a, on any field at all is I was playing men's league baseball and the left fielder went back for a fly ball and then all of a sudden had a seizure at the fence. That was the weirdest thing I've ever seen there, and the ambulance came onto the field. Uh, that was a crazy thing. Um, to what you said about Dak, though, not giving up on him, I would take Cam over him. I wouldn't give up on Dak either, and I think Teddy Bridgewater is the poster child for that because he went 5-0 and for the Saints last year, and now he's got Carolina 3-2. and A lot of people would have thought his career was done by a gruesome practice injury, and it's just not that way anymore.
1: It's not that way, and especially the younger they are when it happens, the the better they're going to bounce back. You know, they're going to have that chance to bounce back from it. And even if it even if he sits out next year and had a year and a half to recover from it, I mean, who would think that Alex Smith is is back? Alex Smith, right? Who would think he's back out on the field? And and he's even older. So I don't give up on these guys. Um, I'm sure. and the, the amazing thing is as a player, I had um, I, I thought when I was young that if, if I had a major injury, if I needed to have a surgery, or I'm done. You know, I'll just that's what I thought when I was mm. young. I was playing in Canada. I threw a curl route and I absolutely snapped the tendon in my elbow, tore it, had to have surgery. And all I could think about is how many weeks till I'm back. When do I get back? They said six months. I was back in eight weeks. Wow. Playing. Right. And I'm and, and I'm forcing the issue. That's just the mentality of football players. And I'm sure it's going through Dak's mind right now, as nasty as that was. And you saw him smiling in the picture that he posted after. The yeah. first thing that enters your mind is, well, first of all, am I going to be okay? When can I get back on the field? And that it just there's a 48-hour window, maybe that you feel sorry for yourself. But he wants to be back on the field. And I guarantee it.
0: I want to ask you a question on Jimmy Garoppolo because how quickly things have turned on him in San Francisco, it seems. like right gets to the Super Bowl last year, has him up double digits in the fourth quarter. They lose, and now he's getting benched. I think he was benched because of the ankle injury. As a quarterback, how much does a limited ankle hamper Mm -hmm. you, whether it's your plant leg, your your drive leg, or just your mobility within the pocket? How much does an ankle
1: impact you? Big time. Uh, Well, for me, a lot, because I was a guy that ran around and everything else. Um, But even the power, stepping, pushing in a throw, and with any tightness, soreness in your shoulder, elbow, and ankle that you're not pushing off, your accuracy goes down. Even though your arm arm strength's going to lose a little bit, but even your accuracy on mid-range to shorter throws is a little tougher because you're doing a lot more with just your arm. And yeah. you, you're not as on target. I, Drew, Burley, Drew Brees last night, I guarantee Drew was banged up last night. Drew looked like he was limping around a little bit. He didn't throw the ball with as much zip last night and then somehow found a way to go down the length of the field and win the game and do all the stuff that Drew did. Um, I thought he was a little banged up last night and wasn't. He. I, I saw him take, like, almost concede a sack. Uh, he looked to the right, didn't like what he saw, snapped back to the left and covered up and just waited to be tackled. And that was very unlike Drew. Um, and I realized he was limping around just a little bit on his ankle. So it makes a big difference. And that's the other thing. Um, you don't know when guys have small injury. You're, after you get to this point in the season, the rest of the year, no one's 100%. Yeah. And Tom Brady, when I was with Tom, uh, I spent one year, we made it a, a playoff run, and he had a Tom Brady typical year. Tom had – two bad injuries throughout that season and never missed a snap. Aaron, usually we do something notable from
0: the game. I've got something else notable I want to ask Doug about. Go ahead and give me the notable sounder.
1: It might be big. It might not be. But it caught our attention. One big note from the game.
0: Yeah, not from the game because the Patriots didn't play. They'll play Denver coming up on Sunday. As we tape this on Tuesday night, the Bills are playing Tuesday night football against the Titans. The Patriots had their schedule in flux. I always hear that baseball players need a routine. How much do football players need a routine? And having that routine hampered or altered, how much does that impact you?
1: It's you. It's It's a comfort. It's a feeling of I'm prepared. I'm ready to play. And that's, it's all about your confidence stepping. When you come to step on the field, you feel prepared because starting on Monday, you did this on Tuesday, whether it was a day of rest for you or study day, Wednesday, we did this Thursday, that Friday, that, and then day of the game, I had a team meal. I ate the same thing I ate last week. I got here. I got to the stadium at a certain time and I know I'm prepared. And I always used to say, I'd stay in my happy little bubble mentally. Yeah. And that way, I, you know, try to, to, to keep the distractions away, stay in your little bubble, do your routine. And by doing your routine, you knew you were pre- prepared and ready to play. This day and age, th- and the coaches, I keep going back to Notre Dame because I know them so well and I know Brian yeah. Early so well. He's been, he will, when he's done, be the winningest coach in Notre Dame history. And he has been a head coach for I think 30 to 40 almost 40 years now. Um he said he feels like a rookie head coach this year. Everything's new, everything's adjust on the fly. You know, like I talked about the COVID and whether they're how they're testing and, and the guys' routine of coming in and have to test every day, and all of a sudden guys can't be there and you can't practice and you can't have your whole squad in a team meeting, and you can't everything is new, everything is different, and guys are adjusting on the fly. So when they've had to be so flexible this year and it, it definitely affects your, your preparedness and your confidence because of that.
0: Buffalo gets two extra days to prepare for Tennessee, Tennessee, two more days. The Patriots are doing a lot of virtual stuff and Bill Belichick spoke about them doing a lot of virtual meetings, doing a lot of game planning, doing a lot of technique and film study. Can you overstudy like this? Having more time, give you a chance to overstudy.
1: As long. The answer there would be Yes. But as long as the coaches don't care – the fear of that is that coaches over game plan and put too much stuff in and throw so much at the players. We've got some extra day. It would be like two weeks to prepare for Super Bowl. You yeah. keep, keep putting stuff in. It's like let's decide what we like. We can have new stuff, but let's decide on it and then then go. As long as you stay focused on the game plan that is in and just stay there – then no, then you're not over-preparing. Then you're just still focusing and repping it out and repping it. I always loved running the plays that I've run a thousand times. I loved running the plays that we ran from the beginning of training camp on. And I, I've always cringed about the stuff we put in that week. We got one rep and somebody ran the wrong route on that rep. So we redid yeah. it and it was kind of, okay. but And then you're trying to run it on third and eight in a crucial situation in a game. I'd rather be calling the play that we've run since the beginning of training camp and you have confidence that everyone's going to do the right thing.
0: Aaron, let's wrap up the podcast with This Makes Me Want to Drink because it's my favorite segment of the week, and I got a good question for Doug.
1: The weekend is over. I thought it was time to stop drinking. I'm kind of deep. Yeah. Thank God I'm Uh, exhausted. uh, But this makes me want to drink. I just can't. I need a drink. Give me a drink.
0: (laughs) So, Doug, this is kind of a football culture question. I'm going to take you inside the mind of Kirk Cousins on Sunday Night Football. You're the Vikings. You're beating the Seahawks 26-21. You've got fourth and inches at Seattle's six-yard line. You know that you've been pounding the Seahawks all game long. You've run for like 200 yards in that game. You know a first down ices the game and you win. You also know if you kick a field goal, you're up eight. Worst that happens is you go to overtime. And if you don't get it, Russell Wilson has a chance to go down the field and win, which he did. Analytics said Mike Zimmer should have gone for it on fourth and inches. He did. They didn't get it. Russell Wilson goes down and wins the game. You're the quarterback. You're Kirk Cousins. Are you happy that your head coach didn't take the points and went for the win? I I would,
1: as a quarterback, lobby to go for that every time. Okay. If we we get this much, the game is over. And if we don't get this much, they got to go 95 yards. That's, I mean – so many situations have come to that when people are in that edge of field goal range and they, they decide whether to punt or go for those inches. I I would have been lobbying to go for it. That's why head coaches like Bill Belichick get paid a lot of money. because You yeah. make that final decision, and I don't give a damn about analytics. You can take those. They don't know who's on the field. They don't right. know that our right tackle has been kicking that defensive end's butt all night long. Analytics don't know that the right guard has a sprained ankle and can't push off. Yeah. analytics that's a feel for how your team's doing, how you feel about your team. It's easy to second guess and say, kick the field goal, play it safe. I've never been one to go that route. I would have loved – I would be over there lobbying to to go for it.
0: I understand what a quarterback would say publicly, and I know that you, the player, would never come out and be against something publicly. But when you reflect in your own mind after that game, and you're Kirk Cousins, are you blaming your own offensive unit because you didn't get the half yard? Or are you saying, how the hell can we not stop 94 yards? Like, are you putting it on you or are you putting it on the defense in
1: your own mind? You, you put it on yourself. You put it on your offense. You know, you don't point You you look back and say on third down, I should have done this or on second down. We could have done something different. And, you know, we got stuffed on fourth because we didn't get a push. And actually the actual play, I thought the back missed the hole and could have slipped to the outside and yeah. off tackle. But in short yardage, you start going laterally and all of a sudden it's a three yard loss. So, you know, Running backs are thinking north and south, but that's the way you think offensively. And as a quarterback, you go back even to second and third down calls. And it, 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 the biggest one that bothers me, we were playing the Patriots when I was um, I was in San Diego. It was Tom Brady's first start. And we had a chance to run out the clock, and we got nine yards on first down. Mm-hmm. And on second and short – I wanted to go play action, hit the fullback in the flat, and game is over. The coaches wanted to keep the clock running. We ran the ball two more times, got stuffed both times, punted the ball away to Tom. They come down and score, and we lose the game in overtime. Wow. So that's where I always go. I go back to the second down call, the third down call. Um, but then again, the defensive guys are kicking themselves. They had two fourth down plays to get off the field, and it didn't happen. So everybody's got to look in the mirror and just say, hey, we there were so many guys that had a chance to end that game. The, the, the guys that didn't move their guys on the block, the back that maybe missed a cut, the quarterback on second down, or the entire defensive unit that on two fourth down plays didn't make the stop.
0: Are you, do you, when you're going through the game or when you're in a locker room, do you have a sense of when you're playing to win versus when you're playing not to lose?
1: Like, do you know when you're playing aggressively or conservatively? Absolutely. I was, um, I had one of my best halves of my life against Seattle. Uh, I'm sorry, against Detroit, first half, 299 yards pass, and we're slinging it all over the field. Of course, part of that is hitting the five-yard route to Ladanian Tomlinson. He goes, <laughs> five-yard route to LT, it's a 60-yard touchdown, you know. So, right before the end of the half, we're trying to get in the field goal range, and the clock's kind of running down. And uh I tried to force a throw down the field that almost got intercepted, falls incomplete. And Marty Schottenhammer was the head coach at the time. Marty comes over to me. He's like, oh, we were up big. We were up 20 points. He says, you can't be doing that. You can't take those. Rate. I go, look, even if he picked it off, they're not going to score. We're trying to score points here. Before okay. And so we had this discussion at half about protecting the football. I go, you want me I protect the ball? I threw for 299 in the first half. I was three for four passing in the second half for eight yards.
0: Oh, my we God. We protected
1: the ball. And they were throwing a hail mary to try to win the game at the end of the game, and we were up by 21 points at half. Wow. So, yeah, that's the difference. He's you, you know, and and the feeling comes from the attitude of the coaches talking to you as a player that sets that mindset. And I I and I keep going to my examples, but I, a game up in Canada where we decided to try to run the clock out a little bit. We had a fumble, they picked it up and went for six, and it changed to protect the whole game. And I, I said to myself, "I'm for now on. I'm scoring as many points as I can. I'm throw, throwing throwing the ball. We'll look up at the scoreboard at the end of the day and see how much we win by. And that's you know, Belichick and Brady got you know bad mouthed a couple of times for running up scores. Like, hey, this is pro football.
0: Stop us. If you can throw for 582 yards, I would just say, let's do that play and let's just, let's just do that. And that's how." Will win this game. He's the Hall of Famer, Doug Flutie, Aaron Wells, our producer. I'm Brady Farkas. Believe in Patriots. Subscribe, rate, review on wherever you get your podcasts. Patriots in Denver will finally play. Doug and I will be back later this week with uh, a little more of a breakdown. So thanks for listening, everybody, and go Pats!